We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful. A lot of anxiety. And it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Up next, Rob Smith is problematic, part of the Gamers 360 network. Juneteenth is. And so the question when we talk about Juneteenth is, 
it's just really something that is celebrated in black culture. And you know, it's a yes and a no. I'm going to be completely honest. This is not something that I was taught in school. I went to 99% black schools, basically my entire grammar school existence. Uh, my family, black, I was born in the black community, all of that stuff. I've never really started hearing anything about Juneteenth, and I'll be completely honest, until I would say about two years ago. I was living in Harlem and New York City. Harlem is like, you know, Harlem is the blackest place you can live in New York City. There's a lot of black folks, there's a lot of black people. Um, and you would see celebrations like this. So I didn't really start hearing about Juneteenth as a celebration. I was hearing for about 18 years ago when I was living in Harlem. And this is something that had kind of started to be celebrated. And now, for about 18 years, you know, this is something that a lot of people were pushing to start getting celebrated on the federal level, right? And then, honestly, I'm going to get into what conservatives are saying and what liberals are saying about this. So, I've been seeing a lot of conservatives saying that, you know, there's only one independence day to the 4th of July. The Jews think this is Marxist holiday, you know, there's only the one independence day, like this is divisive, this is, you know, another thing that the far left is trying to do divide, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that they're getting this a little wrong, and I'll tell you why. You just said the entirety of 2020 as conservatives, as libertarians, independents, etc. You just said the entirety of 2020 basically blasting the left for tearing down American history, right? These people were tearing down statues. These people were trying to rewrite American history. These people were trying to say that America has no history. They were trying to say with the 1619 project that America founded way from the 1619. So these people were trying to kind of rewrite American history in this way and you rightly blasted them for it. So now, the Juneteenth thing comes up and this is a real part of American history. This is a fact. So slavery and this existence in America is a fact. It was a fact. Democrats, by the way, were keeping their southern slaves in slave because they did not let this information that, that the Civil War was over and that the slaves were free, they did not let this information reach the slaves, right? So this is a very real thing that's happening in American history, and I know that some of the conservatives that follow me don't want to hear this stuff because every time I start speaking to this, um, it's like, oh, you're a leftist or you're a liberal or all that other stuff, but a lot of the issues that were going on that are going on in American society today. And a lot of the stuff that we're seeing right now with the conservation of the race theory with all of this divisiveness and all of this other stuff, there is a point that America has not really kind of reckoned with slavery and, and the effects that it still has in the present day. And I think there's a lot of that stuff going on and there's a validity to that. So I think that sometimes with conservatives, instead of just saying that we're just going to bash the thing, how about we start taking control of the conversation? So I saw a missed opportunity here among conservatives to take control of the conversation and say, this is a part of American history and educate people about the role that the Democrats had to play in the Civil War. Like, educate people about the role that Democrats played in the fact that they kept these slaves even longer after the war was over because they did not want them to have that information. So if we educate people about the real historical aspects of this stuff, we can win that conversation and start kind of owning that conversation, right? And there's a black conservative that I follow. His name is Demani Felder. I believe that his Twitter is at the Demani Felder. 
the American flag has been hijacked as code for a specific belief. God bless those believers, they can have it. Like the Confederate, it is tattered, dated, divisive, and incorrect. It no longer represents democracy and freedom. It no longer represents quote all of us. It is not fair to be forced to honor it. It is time for a new flag. As she goes on to suggest a redesigned version that has the two three stars, which obviously gives Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, faith of Obviously, this is leftist insanity. This is what a lot of conservatives have right because they do realize that the left never stops. And basically, starting this conversation right now, I am telling you, this is the conversation that the left is going to start having over the next 10 to 10 years about a new flag. So my advice to conservatives is realize that this conversation is starting and to hold the line on this and stop it at the very beginning of it right now. If you guys ignore, if conservatives ignore the fact that this is a conversation that people are going to start having, if you ignore this stuff, it is going to keep being allowed to suffer and it's going to keep on going. There is nothing more divisive than to say that America needs a new flag that is still a representative of all of us. And if you want to get a sense of where this goes, look at the LGBT pride flag, right? The LGBT pride flag used to see a rainbow, and that rainbow represented equality, but now the far left took a hold of it, and they said, well, there needs to be black and brown stripes, because black and brown people aren't represented, and there needs to be plain stripes, there needs to be all of this other stuff. So if you allow conservatives, if you, conservatives, if you allow the left to take hold of this conversation, they will eventually destroy the American flag that is supposed to represent all of us. Now, has the American flag represented everybody in this country um, from the beginning, you know, from, from the beginning of history when it was first, uh, when it was first created? Absolutely not. And we need to be able to be open enough to say that, that that flag did not represent people. It certainly did not represent enslaved people. Um, it, it did represent women. It, it did represent a lot of people who weren't given the right that um, the founders and people that look like them that created this flag had. But that is not to say, and this is a conversation that we need to have, that is not to say that that flag does not represent every American in the United States right now. And that is the argument that needs to be made. So, in essence, I think that this is an opportunity to take the conversation and make it about American history because Juneteenth is American history. And like I said, when it comes to campaign promises to African Americans, was to make Juneteenth a federal holiday, right? So my advice to conservatives for the future, because I promise you, I know how this goes, because I remember even doing segments about Juneteenth last year when it was a campaign promise in the front side. Find a new line of attack for this and go into offense about this because if not, this is the conversation that you guys are going to be having every single year. It's not going to go anywhere. And every year, the left is going to start having more and more voices that are talking about a new American flag. So, conservatives, if you don't figure out a different way to have this conversation, if you don't play an offense and you don't literally wrap your arms around this holiday and use it, as an opportunity to educate Americans about the Democrat place and all this, they will just keep dunking on us. They will just keep making it seem like you're on the wrong side of history, and they will use this as a jumping off point 
to start trying to redesign this American flag, which is exactly what they want to do. Listen to what my I'm telling you. I know these people. I know the left. This is exactly what they are doing. Do not play this game. Take this opportunity to educate yourself about it, and then for the duty of every time this comes up, do not have the same conversation. You need to start having a different conversation about duty. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Of you have heard of, all of you know, 
I'm a commentator, I spend a lot of time doing this, there's more that I think that we can all do on the ground in a lot of these different cities, and I think that's the conversation. So I disagree with the idea that we're just supposed to let these cities go. And I tire of sort of kind of like the donor class and all these people that are saying, well, we don't want to waste the money, we don't want to waste the money. And so to them, I would say this, if you actually care about the people that live in these cities, if you care about getting these African-American voters, if you, if you care about sending them around, you're going to have to make a long-term investment into this. You're going to have to make a long-term investment into these cities. You're going to have to make a long-term investment into people that can carry these messages to these cities because that is what Democrats have done. And it's not just overnight that Democrats have gotten to the point to where literally African-Americans vote for Democrats are going to 90%. That should not happen overnight. So if we want to make that change, if we want to really get into that, then we're going to have to start investing in the conversations of the world, and we're going to have to start investing into these cities, and we're just going to have to start showing up and showing people that Republicans and conservatives care. And that's where we're losing right now. I understand on this thing is coming, and I understand the anger that is behind that idea because I, I've been angry about that stuff. Because if you're a black conservative, you know, you just get dragged all over the internet by black Democrats all the time. Like, if you're just talking to white people, and you know, you don't care about black people, you don't care about these things, like, that's absolutely incorrect. And, and I think it's a little messy of him to repeat. Um, this Giovanni guy who, who that was basically like an attack that I would say whatever everybody says about this or whatever. It was a little messy to kind of like go into it like that. But I think that for both of these people, um, for, for Kim and Sanders, they are making valid points. And, and I think that that's what we have to say that these points are valid. It's a valid idea. I don't think that it's the correct one that people are like, we need to just let these cities go because this is what Democrats have done for these cities. Um, and it's a valid point also for Kim Kasich to say, I'm black, I care about Baltimore. People that donated to me, donated to me because they cared about me and they believed in my mission and they believed in investment in these communities, right? And I've been hearing some conservatives say, well, you know, we've been over back there for the black vote, and, you know, we need to just say this on day, blah, blah, blah. And you guys are missing the point because the results are not going to be tomorrow. The results may not even be in, you know, in 2022 and 2024, we are making gains, so we have to keep going. And, you know, Tim has basically just squashed this, and she ended up with this, and I think that is very valid. It's very classy to kind of like put a button on this and then move on. She says, while conservatives are going back and forth with each other on social media, including me, Stacey Abrams and company are registering voters in Georgia and recruiting candidates and volunteers. 2022 is right around the corner. We can't afford to lose. I think she's actually right about this. And, and like I said, I'm not taking sides here. I'm a fan of both of these ladies, and I don't think that there is a side to take here. If there is a side to take, it is on the side of the people. And it is on the side of the idea that we as conservatives have to show up. And that includes investing money in candidates like him who are showing up in the community, and that includes showing up in the ways that Candace Owens shows up, where, you know, she's got the Blessed Foundation, she shines a light on this stuff. So we have to be able to show up in both of those ways. So I don't like it. I don't like seeing, you know, black conservatives arguing, particularly, you know, the two basically biggest black female conservatives that are in the movement, which is Kim Kasich and Candace Owens. 
but I think that there is a broader conversation that can be had, and if anything good can come out of this story, it's that we can all start talking about this as a broader conversation and what that means for the movement that both of these ladies are fighting for. Next up, I just posted a... Take your questions, and as usual, folks, they gave me a list of the people I'm going to call on. So, uh, Jonathan, Associated Press. And if you think there's a reason why he has a pre-approved list of people to call on, this is what happens when he goes off script. Why are you so confident he'll change his behavior, Mr. President? I said, what I said was, let's get it straight. I said, what will change their behavior is that the rest of the world reacts to them and it diminishes their standing in the world. So how does that account to a constructive meeting as President Putin? You don't understand that, you're in the wrong business. Just an angry old man. All right, look, I want to bring in Bobby Barak, politics and sports writer at Outkick.com. So, Bobby, look, uh, I, I want to ask you a question. I, I want to get, first of all, before I go into the questions, what is just your reaction to Biden snapping at the CNN reporter? Rob, first of all, thanks for having me. You know what that reminds me of? When you're in, like, seventh grade and you prepared all night to cheat for a science test, and the answers on your cheat sheet are different than the answers the teacher gave you for the test. Like, because when you're cheating on a test, you got to follow that script line for line. And if the questions the teacher puts on the test are different than the study guide, you're lost. You're going to fail. That's exactly what Biden did here when they had a different reporter call on him. I believe that was CNN's Caitlin Collins. He was just lost, Rob, not being able to stick to his script. He just knows he's going to fail. By the way, what is he so mad about? Because she asked a question? Isn't that his job to answer questions? This guy acted like he asked some offensive or she asked some rude, offensive question. Mm -hmm. She asked a question that the media hacks that were asking questions before her should have asked Biden off the top. I mean, as a country, we deserve an answer for that one. And I don't think no. we're going to get it, Rob, because I'm pretty sure Caitlin Collins' boss at CNN are probably going to say, hey, next time, take it easy on Biden. Don't be so harsh. Yeah, probably. You know, you know, don't be so harsh to our guy. And you know why Biden is probably so mad is because he was on his way to a nap and she ruined it. She made him late for his nap. That was what was going on there. Um, and it's really funny. So we see this situation with him snapping at Caitlin Collins over at CNN. Um, you know, we see the flashcards that he has. We see the list of pre-approved reporters. Remember, um, in the, the first press conference that he did that he had to get pressured into doing, he had a literal Facebook. He had a book with the faces of the reporters that he was able to call on. You know, look, it, it's all a joke. 
But I want to ask you another question. So do you think that this clip, and, you know, this sparked a lot of the sort of blue check, you know, uh, jur- journalist Twitterati outrage. They said, well, he shouldn't, you know, be talking to a reporter like this because remember, you know, this is supposed to be the good guy now. We're going to help you out. Right. So do you think that this indicates that the tongue bath from the media for Biden is going to be over? Or was this just a blip? Do you think that they're just going to go back f- uh, to covering for him full time? They're absolutely going to cover for me because here's the interesting thing, Rob. Biden's cognitive decline is so apparent now, but it's media and Democrats that tell us we can't talk about that. But what's so fascinating and what a lot of people are forgetting, they're the ones that started this during the primaries when they thought Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, Elizabeth Warren still had a shot to beat him. They're the ones that initiated this conversation. So they're going to stick with Biden as long as it's advantageous for them too. I mean, if for some reason Biden says, you know, I'm not gonna run in 2024, which he shouldn't, and he turns it over to Kamala Harris, then I think the media might come back and say, hey, that old guy was kind of rude. He wasn't a very good president. You know, he, you know, what he did, the pipeline, taxes, this guy's kind of a disaster, but they're going to stick with them as long as it's beneficial to them, stick with them. I mean, all you have to do is look back to how they covered him at the first debate when Kamala Harris and him went at it. They all took Kamala Harris aside. Now those same media pundits are saying, okay, this guy is the savior because, well, he's not Donald Trump. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even speaking of of Donald Trump, so back when Donald Trump was president, there was all sorts of speculating about his mental faculties, um, cognitive, like all of that other stuff. So that was an open and honest conversation that we were allowed to have. But, you know, honestly, when you said that stuff about Joe Biden, I was actually kind of taken aback. I was like, oh, I was like, are we allowed to talk about this? So now it's like really openly talking about the fact that this is a man in his late 70s, Joe Biden, and even having this conversation conversation is, is sort of verboten, which I think is, is very strange. So good for you for bringing that up. And I think that's a real conversation that we should be allowed to have because we should not let the left dictate conversations that, that we are allowed to have. Um, so good on that. So I wanted to ask you a, a question about a new piece you got out here. It's called, At ESPN, Fear Gives Talents Leverage. And I know that you were talking, a lot, we we're talking a lot about wokeism. I talked about it uh, in my monologue earlier this show, how wokeism is just taking over um, all of media, most of media, which uh, you and I are both a part of. But I, I want you to talk about that piece for me a little bit and just explain to me what exactly is going on at ESPN uh, with the whole wokeism. Yeah, so in short, ESPN is hemorrhaging viewers for several reasons. One cable, our cord cutting, people switching to streaming, mm-hmm. people interest in sports is down. And also, just as you said, they've stuck a middle finger in half the country. So the half the country is okay, we're out. So in that process, their obvious result is they need to slash salaries. So people that were making maybe 1.2 million a year hosting Sports Center might be down to five hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. But the problem is, is that they're afraid to do that to certain people. And ah. you got them up there on the screen, Bomani Jones, because Rob, if they cut Bomani Jones and you know woke loser Stan Brett, who's on there now, they're going to instantly go to the New York Times, Katie Nolan, and say they cut me, they suspended me, they let me go because they're racist. They let me go because I called Donald Trump a white supremacist, but vice versa, Trey Wingo, they have no problem letting him go because what's he going to say? 
oh, they got rid of me because I said Brett Favre is better than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. That narrative doesn't a, a fear by them. I mean, I've talked to sources all the time, and they say the biggest thing, Bobby, is, is that these executives don't want a disgruntled former employee mm-hmm. to go on record and say, oh, I was treated bad because of my race, yeah. my gender, my beliefs. So fear is gives them leverage now. Five years ago, an ESPN talent had leverage if they had an offer from NBC, CBS, or Fox. Now they have leverage if ESPN is afraid of the narrative they can spin upon being let go. You know, that is such an, that's a very interesting perspective because we can see it now. Um, we can see it now with everything that goes on. You know, somebody, uh, one of their black or female or both anchors gets fired. They run to the New York Times and then all of a sudden ESPN is racist. So that's a, that's a really bold perspective and, and good for you. you got a lot of bold perspectives. I need to start reading more of your stuff. This, this is good stuff. Um, okay, so, so last question. And, and uh, I want to go to this. So there is a new commercial from Indeed that is encouraging people to use preferred pronouns. I would you look at this. Hi. No. Hi, I'm Taylor. Hi, I'm here for my interview. I'm Dorian and I use the pronouns he, him. Are you comfortable sharing how you would like to be addressed? Thank you for asking. I use they, them pronouns. Great. Well, I'd love to hear more about your skill set. Okay, look, so before I get your reaction to this, I want to give mine because this is the first time that I've ever seen this. And as I said in the monologue, mm-hmm. everybody knows I'm a gay guy. I just don't um, identify with the far left LGBTQIA, all of this other stuff. When I see that commercial, um, it, it makes me actually feel bad for these people because it's not about getting a job and it's not about um, what you have to bring to the table professionally. This is all about identities and pronouns and all of this other stuff. And, and I think that it turns, you know, look, LGBT, whatever, it turns these people into these victims and identitarians who see the entire world through the lens of whatever their identity is. So that's just my two cents. I had to get that out. What do you think, Bobby? Well, what you just said to me, I think is powerful because what you told me is, okay, you're a gay man, but you're Rob Smith. You want to be known as Rob Smith. You don't want to be known as a gay man. And that this whole pronoun debate, I believe that's what it is. They say it's a service to the LGBTQIA plus uh, whatever you want to call them, uh, whatever is a group or whatever, but they're really denigrating those people down to just that identity. They don't want to be looked at as people. They're looked at by their sexual orientation. And Rob, that's a disservice to them because they're not benefiting from that. They're being told they're not an individual. So I'm just so happy you said that because what that says to me, some people say, oh, well, that might be bold. All you're saying, Rob, is you want to be known as Rob Smith. You want to be known as a person you are and for the things you say. And I've said this entire social justice movement is about minimizing people down to their race and gender combination. And this goes back to that ESPN conversation. Rob, I believe that those people at ESPN have strategically told their bosses, look at me as a black woman, as a black guy, Mm -hmm. as an Asian man. Mm -hmm. Don't look at me for who I am on air. And I can't think of anything more dangerous than being judged by those qualities and not who you are. I mean, to me, that was supposed to be the entire direction we were supposed to move away from. And now we're moving back into it so aggressively. I think it's so problematic and dangerous for everybody involved. 
Yes, that movement is not progressive, it is regressive. Uh, Bobby Barak, politics and sports writer at Outkick.com. Thank you so much for joining me, and you've got a big new fan here, man. It's good stuff, man. Rob, thanks for having me. By the way, Jesse gets a new show, I'm assuming a new raise, works only four days a week. I mean, what do you know? Execs, we're listening, you know, I think we got a new fill-in. All right, thanks a lot, man. (laughs) I'm in.